Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. Today is National Indigenous Peoples Day, a day to celebrate the culture and contributions of the First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples of Canada. Locally, celebrations are going on until 6.30 today at City Park. Earlier, Indigenous housing organization Tipi Moza hosted the grand opening of their new transitional housing project. I will speak with Erin St. Pierre from the Office of Indigenous Initiatives at Queen's University to learn more about today's celebrations. First, a group of Queen's PhD students have just completed a project to benefit an Ottawa-based organization supporting people with disabilities. The PhD Community Initiative brings students together from various programs of study to work with an organization outside of Kingston that they are passionate about. I spoke with cultural affairs PhD student Jacqueline Giesbrecht, leader of the team who worked with ABLE2 to help recruit and retain volunteers for their matching program. Queen's PhD Community Initiative. Um, so tell me a bit about how your team uh, came together and, and how you were started working with ABLE2. Yeah, so the PhD Community Initiative program starts in um, in early September, and at that point, um, PhD students come together and see uh, several different presentations of potential projects that they could sign on to, and then we um, we rate them kind of according to what what fits with our interests. And so able to was one of those projects and my team was selected based on our rankings of, of those projects. So um, our team initially started out with five individuals, but two of them had to drop out because of personal reasons. So the team that was the core group for the majority of the year um, was three of us. There was myself and then Brian Collins, who um, is a third year environmental studies student or just finished his third year and then Lynn Drapo who was finishing up her final year of management and then we had a mentor Anne Oriden um, who's in rehabilitate or who um, was in rehabilitation studies when she was at Queen's as a faculty member and so we would um, meet once a week every Wednesday to discuss what we were going to be working on that week for the project um, and we would have meetings with ABLE to, to um, help us kind of figure out our direction. At the initial presentation, um, Susan um, from ABLE to identified kind of their main goals for our partnership. And that was to review volunteer retention and recruitment and to see if we could potentially um, find recommendations to help them with that. They um, for specifically for their matching program. So able to has a matching program um, with that partners people with disabilities in Ottawa with local volunteers. Um, so the people with disabilities are called friends and then the volunteers are called allies. And they've always had a, a problem with having more people wanting a match that that is a friend than they have local volunteers. So um, this this got even worse with the pandemic, just because people in general were volunteering less. And so they were finding that their wait list for 
uh, potential match was getting longer and longer and they weren't having enough volunteers to meet that demand. So that's that's what we focused on for the year. And so um, we would meet with them, kind of discuss what which directions you wanted to go. And then at the same time, about once a month for the PhD Community Initiative Project, or uh, um, we would meet, all of the teams would meet and we would discuss how we were doing. We'd give short presentations just to give each other updates. Um, and then there would be a couple training sessions every once in a while for different areas. And then we ended up having the, the final capstone for the entire initiative in at the end of April. So then we gave presentations to each other and then to our community partners. Um, and that was online this year. Okay. So, so tell me about what attracted you personally to able to, 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 uh, to work with them. Yeah. So I have worked with different organizations, um, that support people with disabilities in various settings. So in camp settings, I was a direct support professional for uh, about a year and a half. So it, it just really was something that I was already interested in. I had never heard of able to before, but I just, as soon as I saw the project, I knew that it was the one that I wanted to do the most. So that it was definitely my number one on my list. So able to um, basically has does a lot of outreach in the Ottawa community, uh, helping those with disabilities, uh, with integrating into the community uh, through programs such as this. Um, so what were some of the, um, let's say some of the tasks that someone uh, as a volunteer with able to uh, would, would do, would do to help support somebody. So um, there are several different programs with able to, I'm not very familiar with all of them, but for the matching program, what a volunteer would do is um, after getting in touch with able to, you would um, a social worker would meet with you and kind of discuss what sort of um what, what you would kind of like out of your potential match as well, in terms of like how many hours a week you can do, um, like where you live as well, because that can be a factor in terms of making the matches. And then basically you just meet one to two hours a week um, with, your, with your match and you can just go out for coffee or um, some go to different sports games, some individuals specifically were looking for an ally or a volunteer to go with them to the gym. So it can really depend on what, what the, the friend is looking for, but basically it's, it's just, yeah, just like a once a week kind of check-in or socializing time just to kind of get to know your friend. Is there an age range uh, for, for who this is for? So um, it's mostly over 18. There's okay. a few individuals who are under 18, I believe, but yeah, it's, it's adults and also for volunteers. That's, that's who they're looking for right now. So, yeah. I can imagine, and as you actually did touch on, uh, it can be challenging uh, to, to recruit and then to retain volunteers, keep volunteers on. Uh, did your team come up with some solutions for this? Yeah, so our main focus based on, so we ended up doing a survey about their onboarding practices specifically at able to and the main thing that we were hearing from volunteers is that um, while they really enjoyed the initial onboarding and the training ses sessions once that was done they kind of felt a little bit isolated they'd be one-on-one -on -one with their with their individual or their their match but then they wouldn't necessarily be also uh, meeting with other 
volunteers to kind of discuss how they were finding the program or how they were finding their match. And um, the largest suggestion was for ongoing training opportunities as well as networking opportunities among volunteers to just kind of keep building the community in that way as well. So that was that was the main focus of uh, we ended up writing a report just kind of to to summarize our findings from the survey and some like literature reviews and stuff we were finding as well. Um, just the importance of networking among volunteers to keep them engaged in, in the organization. Now, this is organization is serves Ottawa, but you were, of course, uh, working on this remotely, I understand. Was was that a challenge? Um, not, not in terms of completing the project, but I would say we were hoping to meet with uh, our partners in person. And we were really excited about that at the beginning. So while Zoom worked, you know, it's always a little bit different when you meet people and when you only have met them on Zoom too. And you, you know, it's just like, it always feels like you want to get to know people more than you can in just a Zoom meeting. Um, so that was, that was a little bit disappointing, I would say, but um, we made the most of it and able to was really responsive and encouraging. And they, uh, yeah, like I said, they met with us over Zoom and they were so supportive. And um, so in the end, it, it wasn't, it wasn't actually a problem. It's just, we, we would have liked the opportunity to meet in person, but that was, that wasn't just in terms of they were in Ottawa. That was also just in terms of the waves of COVID that were going on at the time. So um, yeah, but it ended up working out really well. And um, yeah, being able to do it over Zoom was was very helpful. So this project, uh, this community initiative is now complete. Yes. Excellent. Okay. I also understand a big part of your research is about addressing barriers uh, being faced by those you know, with disabilities in faith and spiritual settings. I'm very curious to know more about what you found in, in that regard. So I'm just beginning that research. So I haven't technically found anything in my in that project per se, other than um, I have found in my past research that people with disabilities in general um, have a lower attendance rate at religious um, gatherings on like excluding weddings and that sort of thing, like regular attendance to say church or synagogue. Um, it's just the interest is there, but they're maybe not able to get there for whatever reason. And so my goal is to identify exactly why that is, because I've identified that through looking at StatCan data and such, but um, I would like to know specifically why and what, what religious communities can do to support people in making their communities more accessible so that people can come. But then also like, yeah, just what, what sort of things are going on? Is it also like a public transportation issue? You know, like there's so many different things it could be. So what are the kind of like the main issues that people across Canada are, are facing? So I, I'm going to be doing a survey for that later this year. So um, yeah, most of the research so far is out of the States and focuses on Christian communities. So I know a lot about that and barriers that are being um, experienced with those communities. 
Um, but like I said, it's it hasn't been done much in Canada yet. So I would like to look into that. And also Canada is a very diverse country. Yeah, I want my participant base to be as diverse as possible so that I can kind of get the best sense of what's going on. So through your studies and, and your career, you've worked with people uh, living with disabilities or, you know, or worked with organizations to support them. Um, what are some of some of your hopes going forward uh, for, for your own uh, career uh, and for those living with disabilities? Yeah, so I would like to do is I would like to um, compile resources to help um, religious leaders as well as um, people with disabilities themselves so that they know also um, how to advocate for this that themselves in that I think religion is an area that's not really talked about much in the disability rights movement. So I think there is an aspect too of just, because it's not talked about, maybe like people feel uncomfortable bringing it up, say with their care providers or something. And so to help provide resources for that as well, um, but then also with religious leaders, in Canada, it's religious um, buildings and communities there, like they don't have to be accessible if they don't want to in terms of physical accessibility as well as attitudinal accessibility. Um, even those that currently aren't, I, I think that they, they might want to, you know, if they're presented with it in, in, in the right way to kind of Show them that, yeah, this is something that is congruent also probably with their own religious beliefs, right? So I want to kind of figure out how to encourage communities that maybe aren't overly accessible right now, but then also continue to support um, communities that are more looking into that, but maybe have a specific area of growth that they want to look at. Because I think accessibility is such a broad thing that. It just happens that, you know, we focus on one thing first and then we kind of add on to that. And um, so maybe, you know, we focus first on building a ramp, but then we don't have um, devices for people who have hard, hard of hearing. Right. And so it's kind of a progressive thing. Um, and just as people gain awareness about like what different things that they could be doing. Great. Just in, in returning to uh, ABLE2, um, what would you say? you you took away from working on this project what what, what would you say you've, you've learned from working on this in kind of a nerdy way I've learned a lot of specific tools that I can use in my own research in terms of like survey stuff um, which will be very helpful but also um, I've learned a lot about working with working with an organization in terms of like a like a consulting role I guess and I've realized that that is something that I'm really interested in doing more broadly. So that's kind of a, a fun thing to think about. I am interested in continuing continuing in academia as well, but this kind of this working with an organization also really sparked that that interest. I, I think I already knew I had it, but it just really solidified. Oh, yes, this, this is something that I could also do in the future. Great, great. And I understand also the team that you worked with on this particular project uh, were students from various different programs. Uh, do you feel that that really helped uh, to, you know, to get all those different uh, perspectives? Yes, definitely. Uh, especially in terms of this project, I am not a data person, really. 
Um, I just, I just haven't had that training. So it was really helpful. Um, Lynn Drapeau had much, much more experience with that. So that was really great. And yeah, different ways of approaching different topics, right? So um, Brian, Brian Collins, who's in environmental studies, he's, he's very good. Um, he really supported us in the literature review, for example. So it was just like, we all kind of had our, our areas of, of strengths that we, we developed in our own disciplines and were able to come together and make a really great project. So yeah, the interdisciplinarity was a huge strength to the program. You are listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna. National Indigenous Peoples Day. So I understand that uh, before this was you know, officially declared, uh, this particular period right leading up to the summer solstice has been a celebration for Indigenous peoples for, for a long time. Yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, the summer solstice holds... Um, uh, sacred significance for a number of uh, indigenous cultures on Turtle Island, um, and uh, it's, uh, it's part of part. And that's part of the reason why it's been chosen for National Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, beyond this, this is part of National Indigenous History Month. Uh, can we talk about specifically what we are celebrating today, though, with National Indigenous Peoples Day? So it's a it's a day to celebrate uh, indigenous cultures in Canada, um, in what is now known as Canada. Um, it's, uh, it's a holiday that, that cuts, that cuts across, um, uh, cuts across Turtle Island and, um, is, uh, it's, it's, it's meant to highlight, um, the, the cultures of, of, uh, the indigenous peoples, um, you know, their, and, and some of the, and the achievements and, uh, it's really meant to be a celebration. There's a, there's a number of holidays and, um, and commemorative events, uh, uh, throughout the calendar year, but this one's really meant to be, um, you know, a, a celebration. It's meant to be, um, you know, something really positive. And uh, locally, there there is, is celebrations going on uh, for Indigenous Peoples Day at Tipi Moza Grand Opening. It's a little bit more about Tipi Moza. I understand it, it, it'll be a, a housing, it'll service a housing for this area. Yes, so TP Moza is uh, it's a indigenous housing organization that's been in operation in Kingston for the past, I believe, thirty years or so thereabouts. Um, but it's uh, it offers um, rent geared to income housing, uh, transitional housing for those experiencing homelessness, and um, they're uh, hosting their official grand opening for um, a new transitional housing project that they have um, at uh, one thirteen Lower Union Street in Kingston. Okay, and, and tell me a little bit about what what will be going on uh, at this grand opening. So it's it's a combined event. We're we're having the grand opening for uh, TP Moses' new new building, but also uh, we're going to have uh, events at the city park because uh, uh, one thirteen Lower Union Street is right on the edge of um, the city park downtown. Uh, so we're going to have events like corn corn husk doll crafting, singing, drumming, dancing, uh, kids activities language activities and a scavenger hunt. And um, for uh, people who arrive early, uh, there's also gonna be free food um, and uh, things like that. And this is all, anyone from the community can come, there, there, there's no cost? No, there's no cost. 
Um, there, there might be a cost later in the day for uh, food after a certain point, but beyond that, everything is free. Um, anyone in the community is welcome, um, Indigenous, non-Indigenous. Uh, it's really meant to bring the community together as a whole, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. And what are some of your hopes for the community to take away from this celebration? I think it's been a difficult uh, couple of years, um, you know, with the pandemic and with, uh, um, you know, new, new discoveries of um, children who lost their lives to the indigenous, to the residential school system. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's a chance, it's a chance for the community to come together and, uh, you know, celebrate indigenous cultures, you know, especially after, um, after all the attempts by the, uh, the government and the residential school system to strip indigenous peoples of their culture, it's a chance for um, indigenous peoples and the, and the community as a whole to uh, come together and, and celebrate our culture. And um, you know, we're, we're seeing a resurgence of uh, indigenous cultures and um, you know, it's these, these kinds of events and these kinds of days that um, really highlight that, that growth and that resurgence. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing. Oh, thank you much. I attended the Indigenous Peoples Day celebration at City Park and had a short conversation with Mitchell Shule, a member of the Ardok Algonquin First Nation. What is celebrating this National Indigenous Peoples Day? What does it mean to you personally? What does it mean to me personally? Well, it's a day of, uh, of us uh, celebrating the fact that we were here first and uh, we were here to uh, welcome everybody that got off the boats and uh, that's where it all started and uh, you know we gave them life and we gave them plants and we taught them how to grow food here and all that stuff eh? what trees to eat and what plants were here to eat because they didn't know eh? And if they, if they wouldn't have found us, if, if that day, if they would have landed on the shores and they didn't find us, they would have turned around and went back home because they didn't have anything to eat and they were starving and they were, you know. So that's uh, started a, a relationship that was good and bad. Um, how do you feel about this new TP Moza housing project that's just oh, come? I, I think it's great. You know, I really, like if it wasn't here, like I say, I'd be walking on the streets. You know, so I'm uh, very appreciative for it, like very, very much, you know. Yeah, it's uh, something that we need. It could be even bigger, you know. So maybe they'll start a second house here in Kingston, because it's needed. It is needed. You mentioned you're from just north of here? Yeah, yeah, Ardock. Yeah. Yeah, my great-grandmother is uh, born there. My grandmother is born in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and you the are wild rice as uh, my great grandmother put it there. You know, planted it there. Yeah, and it's still there today. You know, that was uh, 1860. You know, when it was planted. So it's always been there for more than a hundred years. You know, and these uh, almost 150 years now. You know, and. Uh, it's very sacred to me. This is Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. I'm Kareem Mosna. 
This Saturday afternoon from 2 to 4, the community can gather at the Calvin Park branch of the Kingston Frontenac Public Library to hear inspirational stories and have discussions with youth who have recently immigrated to Canada. Acting Manager of Programming and Outreach with the KFPL, Kristen LeMay, joined me to share more details about this event. These all uh, youth who have come to Canada within a certain amount of time, uh, like in the, in, the, in the past couple of years, what, what sort of is, is the, the time frame here? Many of the youth in this group are newcomers who have either recently relocated or have been here for a few years and have a bit more experience with Kingston. And they're all very excited to chat with us on Saturday, June 25th. When their youth leader was uh, talking to them about the program and what they would like people to get out of the program, some of the quotes that they provided included, with all the challenges we faced, we grew stronger. Our paths have not been easy, but we do not give up. And I think that those sentiments are, are very inspirational and the stories that people will hear on Saturday will definitely reflect their positive attitude, but also the experiences that they have had while in Kingston, while in Kingston. and people will be able to learn a little bit about what brought them to Kingston in the first place. Yeah, it's, it's not often that, that we hear, um, you know, these kinds of stories from youth. Uh, so um, I, I, I just to say, what, what is sort of, what is the importance um, of, of sharing these stories, do you feel, for our community? I think that it's important to listen to these types of stories so that we can create empathy within our community. I know we've got wonderful people who want to listen and help each other. And this is really a platform for the community to come and, and hear stories that they might not otherwise hear or interact with people in a more meaningful way than just passing them in the library, in the supermarket, actually getting to know your neighbors. Now, will this be basically um, each each individual will get up and, and speak and tell their story, or will there sort of be an opportunity to ask questions? How how, how will the format be of, of this event? So this drop-in event will have a more casual format where people will come into the event and they'll have an opportunity to sit one-on-one -on -one with the newcomer youth. We are providing a list of conversation starters to help facilitate the conversation. So people can ask questions such as, what brought you to Kingston? What do you like best about being in Canada? What are your goals for the next few years? What would you want people to know about the newcomer experience? So we have some conversation starters for those who might be interested in coming to the event, but not quite sure what they might wanna ask of one of the newcomer youth. So we do have some information to help facilitate those conversations. So we're hoping to be outdoors so that we can enjoy the lovely weather. In the event of rain, we'll be moving into the branch, but we're hoping that we'll have a chance to enjoy the lovely weather and chat on picnic blankets outside of the branch. Great, excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing today. I really appreciate it, Kristen. Thank you so much for giving us a chance to chat about this event. It's really exciting, and I hope that the community has a chance to come out and speak to these really inspirational youth.
And finally, host of CBC's Pop Chat and Party Lines podcast, Elamine Abdelmapmoud is back in Kingston this evening at 7 to give a talk at Domino Theatre about his new memoir, Son of Elsewhere. The memoir is a collection of essays exploring his experience in immigrating to Canada at age 12 and finding his place in his identity. Abdel Mahmoud is a Queens and CFRC alumni. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queens University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna. <laughs>